nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. All right. We'll uh, jump into the sermon here just in a few minutes. Well, if you can make your way to your seats, we'll go ahead and get started. Just want to say thank you, Corey, for that time of uh, and worship team, not just Corey. Uh, thank you for that um, time of worship. And again, you know, I, I was along with Corey filling the same thing, like we, we weren't quite done yet. So um, if you're here and you still want some more prayer, it's never too late to ask. Uh, if you're online and you want some more prayer or need prayer, uh, just, you know, send in a Facebook message and we'll uh, pray for you uh, towards the end of the service. They can get that to me and we can uh, pray for you for that. So we're going to continue on in a series of sermons we've been doing, though, called The Fruit of the Spirit, calling this the Summer of Fruit. And um, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Genesis. Now, if you're at all familiar with the Sunday school song, The Fruit of the Spirit, everyone in their mind is singing this song or have been singing this song, you know what's next. Uh, Love, joy, and then what's next? Peace, right. So, but in your, in your head, did you sing that song? Anyone, anyone sing that song? Anyone remember that song? Oh, okay, so no one remembers the Sunday school. Maybe it's just me. Uh, no, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, gentleness, self-control. Anyway, okay, we'll stop. Um, (laughs) I was just, I was sitting there thinking, you don't want me to sing. You want like Corey or Jen or Lena or Christy to come up here and sing, not me. But um, anyway, we'll go ahead and jump in. It's called Peace is the next one. And peace is something interesting, you know, because back in the 60s and 70s, you know, uh, I'm laughing at my dear brother. I love him to death. And we hiked this week, but I was thinking, Steve, Peace, dude. What's up, man? You know, and so in a time, there was a time and place, you know, during the um, not. I didn't mean this as an age joke to you, Steve, by any way, shape, or form. But there was a time in this country when peace was this big. This was a huge symbol. People would walk around and say peace, and then over the years, that peace symbol has transformed to many different things it transformed to a, a circle with the I, I don't know if the if there's an action the peace symbol yeah 
uh, and then it's transformed to other things. Peace is this, is this feeling of everything's going to be all right. The world around us is seeking peace in every avenue of everywhere you go. The idea of peace is a really awesome idea. It's a really awesome thing. See, peace is at its core this, this understanding that everything is not at war. Everything's not fighting, but there's just comfort. There's, you can take a deep breath and you can exhale and everything's going to be okay. But the reality of it is, is that this world has been searching for peace for thousands and thousands of years. And quite honestly, until the Lord returns, we'll continue to be searching for peace. The simple fact is that peace outside of the Lord is not real peace. It is at best fragile. It is at best fleeting. It doesn't take very long if you look back to uh, World War I and the beginning of World War I and all of the time that was there. There was this issue and, 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 and the war was raging and, and everyone is fighting against the Germans and they're having, this conversa- they're having this war and many people are dying and they finally find peace. They finally find an end to the war. But what really happened is during this war, during World War I, what happened was the birth of someone even greater and more evil during that time. Hitler was born out of World War I. And so when it came to his rule, that's where his, his uh, foundation, his understanding, that's where his, his understanding of how he wanted to conquer the world. See, the problem with peace in this world today is that it is ever fleeting. It only takes one crazy man to lead and change the thoughts of many other people to end the peace. And that's what happens. We see the peace of World War I is at best very fleeting, very short in nature. And then we find the rise of Hitler and we find the rise of the German Empire again trying to come against the world and many amazingly terrible things happened in World War II. But then there was a great celebration at the end of World War II when Japan and Germany both surrendered and it was the end of the World War II and we find this period of time in the late 40s and 50s and 60s where there was some sort of peace and there was a boom here in this country. Many things had grown. Many technologies were born out of that time. It was also the, the birth of space travel and all of these amazing, amazingly other things that were happening here. But it was not, the world was not without peace during that time. We find the seven-day war in Israel going on, we find many other wars going on around this world that peace was not found. It was found on a worldwide basis, but it wasn't found everywhere. In fact, there were many wars going on, and this has been true ever since. We can go through the number of wars. We can go through Vietnam. You can talk about Korea. You can talk about all of these other wars, and you can quickly see that this world is at odds with each other. And peace is not something that we find. See, the world is seeking a peace. People are seeking a peace that will not last. So why is it that Paul brings to us in the fruit of the Spirit, why is it that he says, you can have peace. In fact, one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Meaning that our life with Christ 
is peaceful. But when we think about that in its own right, Jesus in his own right in, in uh, Isaiah was called the king of, uh, the prince of peace, I should say. And he was called the, the prince of peace all of his whole entire life. And everywhere he went, he brought peace. And he, and he, and he would often, when he came into a town, he'd say, peace be with you. He'd have often these things, times and, and opportunities, yet his life was not peaceful. We find Jesus being hung on a cross. We find Jesus being beaten by the Romans. We find his disciples being crucified after his death. And we find numerous battles and things that are going on. It is anything but peaceful. And so how do we take all of that Bring it together and say, how can a fruit of the Spirit be peace when there is no peace to be found here? Well, that, ah, there's the rub, as they would say. That is the answer that you're actually looking for. Peace is not found in this world. Peace is not found in some agreement that two countries make with each other. Peace is not found by the relationship that you can have of two people. Peace is not found by some legislator, uh, legislation, easy for me to say, rules and laws coming down. How about that? Uh, peace is not found by someone deciding not to riot any longer. Peace is not found by any of these other things. Peace is only found in the person and being of Jesus Christ. Let's read Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, and then we'll pray and we'll jump in a little bit further in this idea of peace and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day let's pause and pray father we thank you for this day we thank you for all that you are doing all that you have done and all that you will do Lord, we glorify you, we honor you, we praise you, we lift you high and mighty today, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much that you are called the Prince of Peace. And so, Lord, we ask you, in this time, in this world that is around us, when everything seems to be at odds with each other, when there's battles everywhere we go, where there's riots, there's all kinds of things going on around us, may we be centered in the peace that can come only from you. Father, help us today, even in the world that we live, Help us to have your peace, to be with you, to be guided by you. Lord, I pray today you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our senses so that we can understand. Holy Spirit, we ask you that you just come and speak to us. Help us to digest this idea of peace and these verses that you have given to us to read. Lord, I pray, let my words not be my own, but let them be truly your words, Father, as you guide us and direct us in all things. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Robert, you're going to have to control the slides because my laptop is not working up here. So, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. We find this amazing story. This story of... Adam and Eve coming together and, and Adam and Eve are created and here they are in the garden and there's this beautiful harmony that's going on in the garden. There's this harmony of animals and plants and all of these things. God is there and he is fellowshipping with Adam and Eve. It's the, be- it's the most beautiful thing that you could ever imagine. 
I don't think we understand fully how beautiful Adam and Eve and Genesis really was, and the Garden of Eden, I should say, really was before the fall of man. It's the most beautiful thing. You know, uh, just recently, as you guys all know, my wife and I uh, made a trip to Hawaii and I saw some absolutely beautiful things. The things that we saw were just amazing. I, I, it's hard to describe some of the beauty that we saw in that island. Yet, it was pale in comparison to what the Garden of Eden would have been like. The truth of the matter is, is that in the Garden of Eden, there is many things that were beautiful. Plants and animals and all of these things. But the most beautiful thing was the fellowship that happened between God and Adam and Eve. It was the most harmonious thing that could ever be made. They weren't ashamed of being naked. They weren't ashamed of being with God. They didn't have to question how to worship God. They didn't have to question to do all of those things. Yet, God was with them. And that was a beautiful thing. Of course, we find that peace not lasting very long. Because what we find shortly after that is that the Satan, the serpent, comes in and he deceives Adam and Eve to eat the fruit. And at that very moment, the peace that was in the, the peace that was in the Garden of Eden is no longer there, and it's broken, and it's shattered, and it's and it's no longer together. And so we find at that very moment. This harmonious collection of peace is now broken. Luke chapter 10 verse 21 says, In the same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, Thank you. He said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to, your, to the little children. Yes, Father, For such was your gracious will. See, what has happened at this time is that Jesus has come down to this earth. And in Adam and Eve, the peace and the harmonious time that was there is an amazing thing. This amazing collection of things that are going on. And then, of course, Jesus comes and he says, in the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to your little children. Yes, Father, For such was your gracious will. What Jesus is praying to his father is that he's thanking him that he is the center of peace. He is the center of this wonderful relationship between the people and Jesus. There is no way to get to peace without coming through Jesus Christ. And that is what Jesus is beginning to speak to the people and understanding that. We find in Genesis something that we don't find anywhere else. And it is that shalom peace, if you will. Shalom is a word that you often hear in the Jewish or uh, Israelite uh, context. It's a word that you often hear. It's a word, it's a greeting. It's also a a goodbye. But the word shalom is often interpreted as peace. But the truth of the matter is that shalom is much deeper than just the word peace. See, we have to understand that shalom is actually peace derived from a right relationship with God. Shalom was actually what was happening in the Garden of Eden. 
Shalom is actually what happens when Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit interact together. And so when we use this word shalom, when we talk about this peace, when we talk about what's going on, what is actually happening is not peace as in an objective feeling or a feeling that you and I get. No, peace is this right relationship with God. It is why when we talk about peace, when we talk about these things that we often look towards, we look towards something to give us peace. We look at something to give us this understanding. We want everything to be made right. We don't want it. We want to be a lack of issues, a lack of problems, a lack of uh, of opportunities or things that are going to harm us. That's what we think peace actually is. That is why the world is never going to find true peace because what they're trying to define as peace is not really the true meaning of peace. The true meaning of peace is a right relationship with God. It is that connection, that shalom, that that ability to be together with him. Peace be with you. I remember a time when I was young, I went to a Catholic church and, and um, I was raised in a Catholic home as a young child and as I'm there I remembered always hearing and understanding that uh, my family you know we, we would go there and, and, and I didn't understand all aspects of the service but one thing that I always didn't understand and tried to grasp a hold of was in the middle of the service they would say stand up and tell someone peace be with you And I remember one day going to the priest and asking him, what does this mean? And he goes, well, you're you're well wishing them. You're wishing them well. You're doing these types of things. And that didn't set real well with me. I'm like, there has to be more than just that. And over the course of time, what I have figured, what what I learned over the course of time, and as I spent more time and energy and effort into understanding this and diving into this, when we wish someone peace, what we are actually doing is wishing them shalom with God. We want them to be connected with God the Father. We want them to be in that connection. We want them to be in that place. So when we think of peace in this world today as an end of wars or the end of conflict or those types of things, what we're really doing is we're just wishing this objective feeling upon them. And when reality is peace is a harmonious connection with God. Jesus wants more than just our life. He wants to restore peace to you and I. His relationship and the reason why Jesus is here on this earth, the reason why he came and walked this earth, was, and the reason why he was called the Prince of Peace was because he was restoring to us the ability to come back into a harmonious, right relationship with God. The world was fractured. The world was broken. Everything was broken. This relationship that God meant us to have. What we don't fully understand and what we don't, I think, always grasp is that God wanted to have this harmonious, beautiful relationship with us as people. He wanted to, he wanted to always be with us. He wanted to fellowship with us. He wanted to be with us. He wanted to guide us. He wanted to strengthen us. He wanted us to be there with him. And so what happens during this time of Adam and Eve and what breaks in the Garden of Eden is more than just 
the sinning of Adam and Eve, it is also the breaking of the relationship that we had with God. The breaking of the peace. The breaking of the shalom. That right relationship. Jesus is called in Isaiah 6 verse 9, he's called the Prince of Peace. And the reason why he's called the Prince of Peace is because he is the avenue, the connection, the route of restoring that right relationship with God. Do you understand that for thousands of years after Adam and Eve, and all the way up until Isaiah speaks the words, the most famous words, the ones that we normally uh, talk about around Christmas, right? Isaiah 9, verse 6, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father. The reason why Isaiah calls him the prince of peace is because Isaiah realizes and understands through prophetically that Jesus is going to restore the shalom peace that God intended for us to have in the Garden of Eden. So what happens is that instead of this harmonious shalom peace, the world has instead tried to find an objective feeling. A feeling that, oh, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to have peace because two countries decided we're going to have peace. We're going to have peace because two people who were arguing with each other decided no longer to argue. We're going to have peace. Those are feelings and those are good things. Listen, I'm not against that. But again, at best, those are surface level. It doesn't go deeper. We are called as Christians to walk in peace. It is why Jesus can walk the streets knowing that he's going to die on a cross. Why? Because he's the Prince of Peace. Peace is all over him. The Holy Spirit is protruding from him, if I could say it in that way. It is flowing out of him, and that gives him peace. He can handle the things that he's about ready to handle. The disciples, later on, after the Holy Spirit falls upon them, can go out and they can be persecuted. Why? Because they're at peace inside. They know where they're going. The situations that you and I face today, God offers us his peace, not so that everything will be made all right. There's no promise that everything's going to be all right. The promise is that we have the peace of God with us and that we can walk with him everywhere we go. That's the promise. We mistaken that as people here on this earth and we mistaken that as Christians that this peace, that everything's going to be okay. But it's not. But we are promised the peace of God. When Paul comes to us later on and he starts to talk about these fruits of the Spirit, what he is actually saying to you and I is that the deeper that you grow to Christ, the closer that you get to Him, the more time that you spend with Him, the more time that you spend on your knees seeking Him, the closer your relationship is to Him, the more peace you're going to have. Why is it that we as Christians don't always understand that? We need to understand that if we are going to be Christ-like, if we're going to be called Christians, which means being Christ-like, then we have to exhibit the, uh, the things that Jesus exhibited to us, and that is peace. One of the greatest things that Jesus exhibited to all people was peace. Now, there is this little story where Jesus goes into the temple and he tosses the, t- the tables over, right? So just because... Jesus was peaceful with all people. 
Yes, he had this moment of time where he made his point be clear. But if Jesus wasn't the prince of peace, if Jesus didn't care about peace, you know what he would have done? He would have led a rebellion. He had the people. He had the power. He had the strength. He had all of the things that he needed to do to overthrow any government on this earth. Yet, instead of choosing to do those things, instead of choosing not to die on a cross, instead of choosing not to take the pain and suffering of all the lashings and all of these things, what did Jesus do? He led a rebellion by love. He led a rebellion by peace. Jesus, even when he was being... uh, I don't want to say interviewed, but when he was being persecuted by the Roman soldiers and they're yelling at him and and the Sanhedrin is accusing him of these things, Jesus' response were never, man, you are so dumb, you just don't understand it. How stupid can you be? I've been telling you all the time, this is how it's supposed to be, now you're asking me to go and do this? No, the truth of the matter is this, Jesus didn't do any of that. What did he do? More often than not, Jesus answered questions with a question. Why? Because he was trying to bring peace to a situation. He didn't want to raise the level, if you will. He didn't care about coming against the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin. He didn't care about coming against the Sadducees and the religious elite. What he cared about was making sure the situation was in peace. Never once did Jesus, even, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is praying and he's crying out and tears of blood are coming out of his face and he's crying for us and he's, and he's having this relationship and what happens is that here comes Judas with his gang and they're going to uh, arrest Jesus. What does, what does uh, who, who steps up with the sword, pulls out the sword? Peter, right? Peter pulls out the sword. We were just talking about him in, in Sunday school. You know, Peter and Andrew. Andrew, his brother, is way different than Peter, of course. But we find Peter is this boisterous, this, this outrageous. He's standing on the forefront, but he's the one that quickly pulls out a sword. And he, what, what does he do? Whoosh, cuts off an ear. Jesus leans down and he says, put your sword away, Peter. And he picks up that ear and he heals that soldier. Jesus had a chance at that very moment. He could have done anything. He could have not brought peace to any of these situations. But instead, he brought peace to this. Why? Because again, he is the Prince of Peace. He is what displays peace. Today as Christians, if we're going to have the fruit of the Spirit being pouring out of us, if we're going to be those that call ourselves Christians and we allow that peace of Christ, then we have to allow Christ to connect us back to the shalom relationship with God. Which means we walk in peace. Why do we walk in peace? It's really simple to say, listen, I know it's very difficult to say. When someone stands up in your face and they're yelling and screaming at you, the last thing you want to do is be peaceful. I get it. We respond, we react to how someone responds or reacts to us. But the truth of the matter is that we're called to be peaceful. We're not, supposed to, we're not called to respond in the way that they are responding to us. We're not called to react, I should say. We're called to walk in peace. We're called to be the ones that set the temperature of the room. To be the thermostat instead of the, the thermometer. We're called to bring peace in the situations. We're called to be the ones that come in and say, it's okay, let's all just take a deep breath. Let's figure this out. Now, on our own, if we walk into a situation and someone's about ready to deck you and you're like, oh, just calm down, it's okay. 
That's going to be a very difficult thing to do. It's hard, believe me. But the truth of the matter is that if we walk in in the peace of God that he gives to us and we have a close relationship with God, then as soon as we walk into situations, the whole tenor of the argument changes. It's not us who changes that argument. It's not us who changes those things. It's the Spirit of God through us that changes the temperature of the room. Can I tell you something? And I, and, and I, when arguments happened in my business life, I would be the one, in, in the office, I'd be the one that would be called into these arguments. Jason always settles things, so bring him in. He can settle this argument. I'm like, why do I have to settle this argument? I don't want to settle this argument. But they would call me into the room, and, I would come, and sometimes I'd come in the room, and they would be bickering at each other. And what I really wanted to say is, you are so dumb. How can you be arguing over this little thing? That's what I really wanted to say inside my head. But in a business environment, I'd go, okay, let's just take a breath. Let's take a deep breath. Nothing amazing would come out of my, my mouth. I wouldn't say anything other than what anyone else would say. But you know what I carried with me was the peace of God. And so when I walked into that situation, everything would just change. And it wasn't me. I'm not taking credit for this because I don't want credit for this. Because internally, inside of me, I wanted to deck both parties. I wanted to say, get out of my face. You guys are so... But instead, you just take a deep breath. Okay, let's calm down. Let's take a deep breath. The truth of the matter is, it's nothing inside of me without God being inside of me. I bring nothing of peace without God. If you could be called a man of peace or a woman of peace, it is because God is working through you. It's not something that you just decide to do. Jesus says in his own, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest messages that he gives to this people, and he gives this, he gives this message of Jesus, and he calls G, his first official, uh, most well-known Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Why are the peacemakers blessed? They're blessed because... They carry the peace of God with them. And he says, theirs will be the kingdom of God. Why are they peacemakers? How are they peacemakers? The relationship they have with God. It's nothing on their own. Listen, Chaz can't decide. As much as I love him, as much as I think he's an amazing man, there's nothing that he can do to say, I'm going to be more peaceful. I'm going to walk into a situation. No, if I got him mad, if I said something, I'd never say something about Miss Tanya because she would kick my, uh, never mind. Uh, so she would, she would take care of her own business, so I would never do that. But if someone speaks negatively against his family, he's going to be rally, rally, riled up is the word I was thinking of, right? And I don't blame him, I would be too. But it's the peace of God that would come through during those times. It's our relationship with God that allows us to carry that peace of God, that relationship with us, inside of us. Jesus says, the blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. And then he just goes on just later, a few verses later in that sermon. What does he say? He says, if someone comes and slaps you in the cheek, what do you do? You turn the other cheek. Oh, I'm sorry, not that cheek. No, he does. He says, turn the other cheek, right? He said, if someone wants, if someone is in need, take off your coat, 
Bless your enemies. He also tells us later on in, in different sermons to pray for your enemies. To give them things that they need. Why and how can we do this? Oh, wait a minute, Jesus, you don't understand. This person just hit me on the cheek and you want me to turn my... That is impossible for me to do. And guess what? Yes, you are right. It is impossible for you to do. In your own human nature, it is really hard to turn the other cheek. Believe me, I have been there before. I've tried it. It's really hard to do. But when we're walking in the peace of God, when we're walking in a close relationship with Jesus, when our relationship is tied to him and we're doing the things that he has called us to do and we're growing in that relationship, then the peace of God just exudes from us. It's a fruit that falls off the tree and it is a fruit that is sweet to everyone who receives it. Why? It's because it comes from God himself. It comes from Jesus himself. I said a few weeks ago that the fruit of the Spirit is not something that you can just intentionally go out and decide, I'm going to grow this fruit. If you're an apple tree, you're not going to grow an orange. If you're a grapevine, you're not going to grow an apple. That's impossible. It just doesn't happen. We are humans. We're not entitled. We're not, uh, we're not meant to grow these fruits. They grow inside of us because of the relationship that we have with God. They grow inside of us because God chose to restore that harmonious shalom peace with us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so today, if you're going to walk in peace, the only true way to walk in peace is for us to have a right relationship with God. To be restored in that relationship with him. To have that shalom peace that pours out of us and and, and grows us into that relationship with him. Speaking practicality for a moment. There have been times in my life when I haven't been on my knees enough, I haven't been praying enough, I haven't been reading my Bible enough, and I find myself sometimes very agitated. <laughs> I find myself where I get upset, I get mad, I get angry easily. It's usually, that, that's, that it's usually at those times that my wife comes to me and she says, have you had your quiet time with the Lord? <laughs> Not enough. She's like, perhaps maybe you should go outside and just take a walk. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe you're right. I find myself... The less time I spend with the Lord, the more agitated I become. I find myself, the less time I'm reading his word, the more easily angered I become. I find myself, the less time I'm worshiping to him and I'm spending time with him, the more angry I get at people, the more mad I get at people. The more time I spend in the Lord, the more chance, the more opportunity I have for peace to flow out of me. The more I feel it inside of me. I don't get upset with situations like I used to. I don't have these angry bouts of of stress and these angry bouts of things where I just want to rip someone's head off. Because I've been spending time with the Lord and his peace is residing inside of me. And that fruit of the spirit peace is growing up inside of me. When I'm with him. Listen, it's very simply this. We need to spend time with the Lord. We need to be with him because he is the one that gives us that shalom peace. It's only in that reconciled life where Jesus and God the Father brings Eden to us. 
Eden used to be a beautiful place where Adam and Eve lived. Today, Eden is inside our hearts. When the reconciliation, the payment of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross is connected through our faith and our belief in that with our God, our Father. That's the most beautiful place that any one of us could be today. That's better than any trip to Hawaii, any trip to the Caribbean, any trip to any beautiful place that you can think of. Is that connection, that harmonious relationship where the two become one. And we are part of it. That is peace. That is the peace that God wants us to have. That is the peace that he wants us to walk in. That's the peace that he wants us to share with the world around us. Today, there's division amongst division amongst division. There's everything that's separating us. There's people that fight about silly things. Just the other day, I was driving down the road, and, and I pulled up to this light, and the two cars beside me, this gentleman jumped out of the car, and he starts yelling at the person in front of me. He takes a bottle of water, and he throws it at the car in front of him, and then this bigger guy gets out of the car, and he starts to take a few steps, and the guy that threw the bottle of water just magically jumps into his car. He jumped in his car because he was outsized, (laughs) two to one. And I thought to myself, I said, what is the world that we live in where people get mad because of a turning signal or someone beeped their horn or did something like that? That's the world you and I live in today. Why is it that way? Because the world outside of the church doesn't understand that real peace only comes from that connection. That realness of that, that, that unity of us with God, the Father, Jesus coming together with the Holy Spirit inside of us. The world outside of us doesn't understand that. The world outside of us doesn't have peace with God, doesn't have shalom with God. We do. So we as Christians, listen, if today in your life one of the recognizable fruits is not peace. I love, <laughs> I don't love this, but it's interesting when I see people that come to me and they're like, Pastor, you just don't understand. I'm so angry. I'm so mad at this person because I did this. this, this. And, I, and I, what I really want to say to them is, how are you doing with your walk with the Lord? How much time have you been spending in prayer? How much time have you been seeking him? Because the answer to every one of these situations, listen, it doesn't mean that we're not wronged. It doesn't mean that we don't have a right to, to again, Jesus had a right to stand up to the uh, money exchangers in the temple. There was a reason why he went in and turned the tables over. But more likely, more often than just that, that's one situation where Jesus made a point. All the other situations, he walked in peace. truth of the matter is, is that we can tell where our walk with the Lord is by how much peace we carry forward in the situations. We as Christians should be known as peacemakers. We as Christians should be the ones that author peace, that bring the answer to our neighbors, that bring the answer to others and say, this is what we have. This is what we understand. See, when we start to worry about our desires, when we start to be concerned with the things in my life, 
what we're mistaken is that we're not living the life that Jesus called us to live. Peace is an example of what he wants us to walk in. An example of what we should do. It's not something that you can choose. It's something that comes out of your relationship with him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. May I ask you today to be real with yourself for a moment. On this 90 degree Sunday, late June, where we're thanking God that we're inside a building with air conditioning. There have been years in the past where a 90 degree Sunday was a really terrible thing for us. (laughs) Yeah, it was a real short service. May I ask you in the comfort of where you're at today that you can be real with yourself and say, Lord, do I have the peace that you intended for me to have? Do I walk in that peace? Do I exhibit that peace? Am I known as a person of peace? Am I known, as Jesus said, am I blessed because I'm a peacemaker? Jesus was the Prince of Peace and all all over the New Testament, everywhere he went, he said, peace be with you. May my peace be made complete inside. It wasn't just his joy that he asked to be completed. It was the peace that surpasses all understanding. That is a verse that I had up there, but because my notes have been gone, I didn't, didn't get to. But Paul writes, may you have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Why does the peace that comes from God surpass all understanding? Because it causes situations in our life where naturally we wouldn't be at peace for us to be at peace. It causes us to be in places where instead of being angry, His peace comes over us. May I encourage you today to seek that peace no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through. Listen, the peace of God can come to you no matter what you're facing. I know we prayed for Marsha. I know we prayed for others that are going through medical issues right now. But you know what? Even in the midst of those things, you can have peace. Even in the midst of not having a job or not having the money to pay all the bills that line up next to you or even in the midst of someone yelling and screaming at you, you can have peace. It's available to you because it comes through our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one that restores the relationship, the harmonious shalom peace that God intended for us to have in Eden. He intends for you and I to walk in today. This isn't something that we have to wait to get to heaven for. This isn't something, there are things that will only be given to us when we arrive in heaven and I can't wait to experience those things. But this peace is meant for us even in this day. Will you stand with me please? May I ask you in this place to be real with yourself at first to say, am I a peacemaker? Am I known as a person of peace? Do I bring peace in the situations where I go? Or do I make situations worse? Jesus calls us.
to be those peacemakers. May I ask you to do that at first? And then may I ask you to understand that God wants us, Jesus wants us to be that model of peace to those around us. It is at those times when we walk into a situation and the tenor of the argument reduces to a level down here that people look and go, why is that? Years ago, I had a gentleman, and I'm going to share this quick story and then we'll jump into this worship song. Years ago, I was asked to come into a conversation where a gentleman actually took his fist and he punched it right through the wall in the job. He was so mad that he walked down and he punched his fist through a wall. And they couldn't get him to cool down. They couldn't get him to understand. They couldn't just get him to calm down. And so I was called into the situation and I said, I walked into the room and I said, just take a deep breath. I'm telling this man, just take a deep breath. I said, it's not worth. Whatever you're going through right now, it's not worth the struggle. It's not worth getting so angry and upset about. And I seen him take a deep breath. And as he took this deep breath, he began to cry. And he goes, I don't know why I did that. That's not me. He goes, but why do I feel okay now? And I had an opportunity right there. I asked everyone else in the room. I said, will you please leave? They all left. And they're like, are you sure you want to be in this room by yourself with him? I said, I want to be in this room by myself with this man. So they leave, and they, as they walk out of the room, I go to him, and I sit down in front of him. I said, the reason why you're feeling peace right now is because I bring the peace of God with me to you. I said, you're at wage, you're at war with the world around you, but the only peace that's going to solve your issues, the only peace that's going to make you more better than where you're at today, the only peace that's going to actually calm you down is the peace of God, and it's here for you. All you have to do is restore the relationship that Jesus wants to restore, the relationship with God, his Father, with you, and he made a way for you to do that. And right there in that room, on my job, he gave his life to Christ. It was the most wonderful time. It was, it was a beautiful thing because you know what happened is that he actually got fired from his job. He got fired for punching a hole in the wall. He got hired by another company and five years later he called me and he goes, I just want to thank you. He goes, you know how you were called into that room? That's the person I am today. I'm being called into calm situations down. And he goes, I know it's not me because me alone is a very angry person. It's the peace of God inside of me. I'm going to church today. I have a relationship with God and it's never been greater. I've restored my relationship with my wife and my kids and all of the relationships around me have been restored because I am known now to be peaceful. That's the peace of God that he wants you and I to have. That's the peace of God that he wants us to walk in. We're called to be those peacemakers We're called to take that in. And it's not us. Again, this is nothing I did. It was just God working through me in those situations. Will you be one of those peacemakers? Will you choose to restore the relationship that God has with you? That he gave his only son, Jesus, to restore that relationship of peace? you've never done it before it's as simply as just giving your life to Christ asking him into your heart asking him to forgive you of your sins if you're here in this place or you're watching online it doesn't matter all it is is simply saying Lord forgive me of my sins come into my heart give me the peace that you intended for us to have in the garden of Eden give me the peace 
that Jesus died on the cross for us to have that shalom, that right relationship with you. That is what peace really is. It's as simply as just asking for those things. If you're here today and you've already said those words, but you found yourself at odds with the world, you found yourself at odds with your wife, you found yourself at odds with your husband or family or members, and you're just aggravated, you're angry, everything is working you up, then perhaps maybe it's time to just take a step back and say, Lord, I need your peace. I need to be closer to you so that fruit can be developed outside of me. Father, we thank you for this day. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you. We lift you high and mighty today, Father. Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. And you came to restore that shalom peace with us so that we could have that restored with God the Father. You made a way for us to be back into that perfect place called Eden with God. Where we could commune with Him. Where we could celebrate and have eternity with him. But it's not just the eternity that we await for. You also promise a peace that we can walk in today. And so Lord, we ask you through our relationship with you, as we grow closer to you, as we ask you to forgive us for falling short, as we ask you to fill us up with more of that peace, may we have a relationship with you so that we can walk in this world in the peace that you call us to walk in. Blessed are the peacemakers, you said, Lord. And we desire to be that, Father. Help us to be the ones that will go out in this place and spread the gospel of peace. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. And we praise you today. Be our Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes hope will arise death is defeated cause my king is alive Hallelujah In the presence of my enemies And I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief And I raise a hallelujah Raise 
raise a hallelujah in the middle of your storm? Do you raise a hallelujah because death has been defeated? Do you raise a hallelujah when all the world is against you? Do you raise a hallelujah when everything seems to be going against you? That's the peace of God. You can raise a hallelujah during those times when you have the peace of God inside of you. So may I encourage you today not to leave this place without walking out with the peace of God inside of you. To asking Him to grow it deeper inside of you. To grow your relationship. Listen, we've been called to be world changers, not to have the world change us. We're only going to change the world if we walk in peace. You want to see people change 180 degrees? Then walk into a situation and say, listen, I'm not mad. I just want to calm the situation down. God has called us to be peacemakers. He's called us to go forth to do these things. I challenge you today to walk out of this place with that as your number one goal. To grow closer to Him so that fruit of peace can grow out of you. Father, we thank you for this day. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you. Lord, even when everything doesn't work, even when the internet goes down and the notes aren't available, You still are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You still are the one who calls us to walk in peace. Even when the bills pile higher than the amount that's in the bank, you are still the God who calls us to walk in peace. Even when the world is against us and it rages and it foams at the mouth because it wants to destroy us, you are still the King of kings and the Lord of lords who calls us to walk in peace. Even when the doctor tells us that things don't look good, you're still the King of Peace, the Lord of Lord. We thank you for that. Father, we ask you today, help us to walk in that peace as we go forth from this place, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with all of those around us. May we do it through you and your peace. We love you, Lord. We honor you and we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. Walk in peace. We'll see you again next week.